Hello, welcome to NBA Unwrap, where we unwrap the hottest takes from around the NBA. I'm Perry Aston, joined by Christian McGowan and Corbin Waterman. Say hi, guys. Hey, how are you guys doing? Hey, guys, thanks for tuning in. So we got a big episode for you guys today, a couple of signings that's happened, Carmelo Anthony trade, but just before that, let us if you're listening to us on the Apple Podcast app, please go on there and rate us five star, leave us a review. If not, you can also find us on the SoundCloud app. Follow us on Twitter at NBA Unwrapped. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Perry Aston. You can follow Christian on Twitter at McGowan75 and Corbin on Twitter at CorbinMRPK. All right, guys, let's just jump right in. Big yeah, news today. Yeah, jump in, let's just congratulate the winner of our trivia question. We sent out a trivia question after our last podcast, yes. and Caton, his uh, Twitter handle is at Super Saiyan P8N. He won the trivia question and uh, ended up getting a free shirt from at FreeAgentsOnly.com. So anyone else who's listening, we're going to have some more trivia questions coming out in the near future, so pay attention to that, and you guys could win a free t-shirt as well. Yeah. Love the Twitter name, Super Saiyan. Big Dragon Ball fan. Yeah, thank you for participating, <laughs> Super Saiyan. But uh, let's jump right into our first topic, Carmelo Anthony trade, the last major domino that's really had to fall in regards to superstars getting shifted around this offseason of course there's still time for crazy trades to happen like the Kyrie trade late last offseason everything like that but in reality this was the one that everyone's really been waiting for to happen so let's talk Carmelo Anthony he gets traded to the Atlanta Hawks something that we spoke about in the last episode for Mike Muscala and Derek uh, and Schroeder uh, as well as a pick involved in that trade as well. So Carmelo Anthony is a hawk, uh, not for long. It's expected that he's going to be bought out and he's going to be with the Houston Rockets as of this weekend, something that I read uh, last night. So I've been saying it for a long time. I thought he was going to be a Houston Rocket. It's I made a bold prediction probably before it was solidified, but it just fits with the Reza leaving and you know they have a lot of holes on that team and he's doesn't want to play on the bench so it's he wants to start and that's one place that I think he actually can start uh Christian what do you think about this trade what do you think about Carmelo Anthony in general uh, I like it I like it from the standpoint that the Rockets needed to get better and they did now the poll that you brought up Perry if you want to read that off uh you guys voted on whether you thought that the Rockets would be stronger having Carmelo this year as opposed to having Trevor Reza last year. 59% of you said it doesn't matter, the Warriors, which kind of like is no. 45% of you said yes, they are a better team. Now, let me get your guys' thoughts on this. Me, personally, with losing Trevor Reza, you're losing a lot of defense and you lose someone who can guard those elite long players like Kevin Durant on the Warriors who can get up in their face and cover shots. So, to me, with the lack of defense they have, no matter if Carmelo, you see him as scoring more than Trevor Reza, yes he will, but he does not make up for that productivity on the defensive side of the ball. So how do you feel about that, Perry? I mean, the Rockets have been open that they're still looking to add defense. That's actually a quote I read last night as well. So they're looking to add a defensive piece too, knowing that if they do bring in Carmelo Anthony, that's not the answer to any kind of defensive woes. Uh, But having a guy like Chris Paul there anchoring that defense, um, having Melton, that point guard from USC, who's an amazing defensive point guard learning from him, And even though there's holes around Capella coming back, which is something we're going to talk about in a little bit, he's very good with his defense. So I I like this team defensively. I I think what you said, Christian, yes, their perimeter defense might be struggling a little bit with the exception of Chris Paul. Uh, Having, you know, Trevor Reza able to guard guys on the post and guard guys on the perimeter is something that you don't get from a lot of guys nowadays. And Carmelo Anthony, it's really going to be a matter of he wants to play defense, if he wants to try. Like, it's not like he's an awful defender, but... He it's puts, effort. It's effort. Yeah, he doesn't really try, I feel like. So for him being on the Rockets, 
he's going to need to score a lot. They shoot more three-pointers than they do two-point shots, so he's going to get a ton of shots, probably put up 15 a game. His field goal percentage will be whatever, but it'll be better than last year. Last year, his numbers were awful across the board, career lows, and pretty much everything. So, And I don't think he's done yet. That's not the you know the mark of him going down. It was just an awful position for him in OKC and nothing Russell Westbrook, out. you guys know how I feel about him taking away from players. So it's just at that point, I'm not going to blame the Thunder for Carmelo's woes, but I'm also not going to say that this is the beginning of the end for Carmelo. I think there's still at least another year or two of production there, and he's going to get an uptick for sure. Then after that, we could talk about him aging, him just being a shooter, having nothing else to his not game. Not his body. I think right now, with the change of pace to the Rockets, don't be surprised, like I've said on Twitter, if he has a bounce-back year compared to last. Because he's really can't go too far down from last year. He's still a great player, and he had a really awful year last year, if you look at it in his standards. So I really expect some sort of uptick this year. And he's going to be in the playoffs you know, with the Rockets, with a good team. Not that he wasn't last year with the Thunder, but the Thunder really didn't make much noise An in the actual playoffs. contender for yeah, a championship. a contender. And, you know, that's going to bring us up to another question we're going to ask a little bit later with really how good the Thunder can be. But we know how good the Rockets can be, and that's – I think this is their time right now. Corbin, I think me and you both agree that the Rockets' time is not done after last this season. year. I think Christian thinks it's this year. Me and you both agree that oh, it Oh, I thought probably, it was last season. Last season was their chance. Yeah, I think that I, it can extend yeah. to at least another year or two of them having a chance and trying to continue okay. to run it back, run it back, try it again until at some point it's just not going to work. Uh, Corbin, what do you think about the trade? What do you think about Carmelo? What do you think about the position of the Rockets right now? I think, first off with the Carmelo trade, the first round pick that the Thunder sent to the Hawks, it was protected um, 1 through 14. Yeah. If it is, if it falls 1 through 14, then it turns into 2 seconds. So I thought that was a very low price to pay for the Hawks to take on Carmelo's contract and also for the Thunder to get better, save a lot of money in the luxury tax, but also get a really good quality point guard to back up Russell Westbrook. Um as far as the Rockets go, I agree with Christian. I think last year was their chance. That was as good as they were going to be. I think swapping out Trevor Ariza and also Luke Richard and Bamute, who I know doesn't right. get mm-hmm. nearly as much credit, but he's another really good defensive player who can stretch the floor of the power forward position and knock down threes. You take both of those players off and add Carmelo, who offensively, yeah, I mean, he can create his shot better than Trevor Ariza, but you got Chris Paul and James Harden who are already creating their shot you need guys who can just space the floor and while Carmelo can still space the floor I think I'd rather want Ariza in the corner knocking down threes I think he's a better catch and shoot player Um, and I think you just have you have enough offense with James Harden and Chris Paul in terms of people who need the ball in their hands Um, I mean I I think I agree with you guys that Carmelo Anthony will have an uptick in his stats he'll be putting up better numbers than he did last year with OKC defensively He's never been a good defender. Um, I hear what you guys are saying with part of it just being effort. And uh, yes, you could kind of make an argument that in the past he's just had to shoulder so much of an offensive load with the Knicks and the Nuggets where maybe he was trying to save all of his energy for offense and not really defensively. But last year with the Thunder, I mean, he didn't really have much of a role offensively in terms of having to carry the Thunder and defensively he was still terrible so I'm not as high as you guys on his defensive outlook and I think the Rockets as a whole this year they're still going to be a good team Chris Paul's a year older as long as he can not get injured which is a big if then I think he'll still have a really good year Um, but each year that Chris Paul gets older you just get more and more concerned with his injuries as they continue to pile up that 
it's just going to get worse and worse. So I think overall they'll still be a really good team this year. Top three, probably the second best team in the West still. But the gap between them and the Warriors has definitely increased when you especially add in the fact that the Warriors got even better with adding the Marcus Cousins. Agree. Right. I mean, the Warriors shouldn't be scared of anybody, and the Rockets, I don't think their chance is up yet. I'm not saying that they are going to win a championship in the next year or two, because last year I was really hoping, just like we said, the Western Conference Finals was the final. So I was hoping that they would be able to beat the Warriors and sweep the Cavs, just because anyone really would have pretty much swept the Cavs Mm -hmm. in that finals. I don't know if this is the piece for them to win a championship, but I think it keeps them in contention. It helps them save face, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's uh, let's move on to another move from the Rockets. They re-signed Clint Capella. Uh, five years, $90 million. If not, he would have had to take the qualifying offer, opt into just one year, and become a unrestricted free agent next offseason. So he's, he's going to be a Rocket for a while. What do you think, Corbin? What's your initial reaction? I think it was a nice compromise between the two sides. There were reports that the Rockets were trying to get a deal around five years, $80 million. Capella wanted five years, $100 million. So... It sounds like they met pretty much right in the middle on that five-year, $90 million deal. For Capella, I think there was some temptation for him to take that qualifying offer, which I believe was around 4 or $5 million. But for him, he had to look at it as maybe he's not getting quite the money that he wanted on a five-year deal, but that qualifying offer of 4 or $5 million, he can essentially look at this deal as he's making $85 million over the next four years because that first year would have been $5 million contract. So... That's a pretty good salary for him. And it's one thing—it's it's one thing about taking a chance on yourself and taking that one year and going into the you know off season trying to get yourself a new deal. But when you see how fast the money dried up this year and how unpredictable the market's going to be for the off season, if you have a chance to make upwards to a hundred million dollars for five years and you're a debatable player because he had a great year last year, but before that you wouldn't be talking five year ninety million yeah. for Capella. So capitalize on. He's made steady improvements each year, and I, I hear what you're saying with Capitalized. the drying up. Next offseason, there's going to be a lot more teams with salary cap space, but yeah, still for Capella, I mean, especially in the NBA, your career can change at any moment, anytime you get a big injury. So, uh, yeah, because you can even there. think of Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas is looking at yeah, getting a exactly. max contract, and now he's on a minimum. Yep. No, that's a great point. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you're Capella, you just take that $90 million. You're still in a great situation. You're starting center for one of the premier teams in the NBA. You still have a chance to win a title. And yeah, it's just, it's a great situation for him. It's great for the Rockets, who I think their window, it's still open for the next two years or so until Chris Paul just gets too old where that contract looks really bad. Too old to walk. Yeah. So two years from now. Yeah. So I want to hear just one question. I know we already asked if the Rockets are better, but how good can the Thunder be? Just another team in the West we were just talking about with Carmelo Anthony. And I know you were saying that the Rockets will probably be about the second team in the West. Uh, I know previously on another podcast you said the Lakers were probably going to be a top three seed. Um, I think there'd be more four or five seed. Where do you think the Thunder land? And I know you said Rockets are two. Where do the Oklahoma City Thunder land? Seven. You think seven it's, or eight, Christian? Oh, Christian, you want to take that? First? He said seven or eight. That's what he said. What do you think, Corbin? That's wow. I don't think seven or eight at all. I think I think they're going to be the three seed. That's what I keep saying. Like they're going to be above the Lakers this year, and that doesn't mean anything about the playoffs. But in the regular season, I think it goes Warriors, Rockets, Thunder, Lakers, and uh, don't yeah, be surprised. I, don't be surprised if the Pelicans end up in four and the Lakers end up in five. Seriously, I could see that. I'm starting to rethink my position with the Lakers being the three seed, just because as 
the season goes on, I think the Lakers will become a better and better team. But it's, it's just the, hi- the hype growing. is starting to calm down. That's right. So at the beginning of the year, I mean, you got this young roster to play around LeBron, so it's going to take some time for them to mesh, but I think be a much better team than their record indicates. It's just so tough in the Western Conference. You look at it last year, you had clearly as the top two teams in the West. But after that, there was really just a mashup between seeds three to nine. I think we're only separated by a few games. So we can predict, yeah, Thunder will be the three seed. I'd be shocked if they don't make the playoffs, even though there are really 10 or 11 teams that I think have a legitimate chance to make the playoffs. I'll say they end up as the fourth seed. Um, there's, they're a really good team. They're better than last year. They basically traded Anthony into a really good backup point guard in Dennis Schroeder, who I know I mentioned I don't really see him playing much alongside Russell Westbrook, but it can happen as long as um, Westbrook is willing to not have the ball in his hands all the time. Which well, Schroeder's going to be the sixth six man, so they're not going to see the floor together very often, in my opinion. I Only when they need a specific shot, you have them both out there. They're both high-energy high players. They're both players that I think will... But heads, so having them both their presence be out there on during game time, one starting, one coming off the bench, I think it could be really good if you coach it correctly. No, I agree. Yeah, that's also the chemistry that you're going to have between Westbrook and George, and really Paul George and everyone, because he got traded in the middle of last offseason. Yes, he got some work with players before the season started, but now he has an entire offseason to work with everyone. Uh, they know each other's strengths and weaknesses a little bit more, so that's definitely going to help. You also have other teams, it's just a question of how much they can grow or if they're going to regress. I think in the Jazz, Utah Jazz's case, with Donovan Mitchell, if he takes a second-year leap that we see from a lot of players, he was already a terrific player last year, he could guide the Jazz to a three-seed or a four-seed. Then you have the Blazers kind of trending in the opposite direction after their showing against the Pelicans last year. Are they going to take a step backwards? So there's just so many questions. It's just, we're going to have to wait and see, but it's just so exciting especially in the NBA and the Western Conference in particular, so many good teams, you just don't know what's going to happen. You should just call the Western Conference the upper division and the Eastern Conference the lower division at this <laughs> it point. pretty much is. Might as well just morph it all into one conference and just take yeah, the top. No, no I agree. And especially if the West keeps collecting stars, at some point yeah. they're going to have to address that. It's just becoming so lopsided that it's not even fun. Like, think about the All-Star game. Like, who are you going to field for the East, really? Well, but- luckily they have the team draft where it's not west versus east but yeah you still have to take 12 players from the east and put them into the all-star game and there's going to be a lot of players from the west who deserve to be in the all-star game over some players from the east but because they're yeah. in the tougher conference they just get snuck yeah like lou williams last like the year. upper conference but uh, let's move on to another extension. Kevin Love and the Cavaliers agreeing to a four-year, $120 million extension. Overall, the deal now is five years, $145 million if you add it on top of the year he had left. Um, just want to hear your guys' initial reaction. I, I'm actually a fan of this. I know, Corbin, you said blow it up numerous times for the Cavs when LeBron was leaving. I said there's really no need. There's Keep Kevin Love. When we were talking about the potential rumor of him getting traded to the Suns, we kept saying, no, to be honest, it's just not going to be a good fit for for either of the teams. I like him there. They have no reason to let him go right now. They need to still keep fans in the seats. Exactly. They still need to keep some sort of You can popularity. still suck with Kevin Love on your team. You don't got to... You know, Corbin, you, you said blow it up. They're pretty blown up. LeBron James is the only thing keeping that structure. Honestly, I think Colin Sexton, Kevin Love, pick and pop is exciting to me. I don't know about you, Corbin, but I I can't stop thinking about 
Colin Sexton, Kevin Love, I think they're going to be a huge surprise. Colin Sexton, like I said last podcast, he's probably going to be the rookie of the year. Even if it's a surprise, they'll still suck as a whole. They just won't be like the top, a bottom three or five team. I think they'll, uh, they'll be in the tw- like you know they won't be a lottery team. Uh, I still don't have that statement either. For sure, I, I will. I will be shocked if Kevin Love is still a member of the Cleveland Cavaliers eighteen months from now. So really? not this upcoming season, but the next season. Trade deadline. If he is still on the team past the trade deadline, I'll be shocked. I think. Yeah, but you said you'd contract, be shocked if he was there right now. You said blow it up, so I'm not going to take that. Yeah, no, I still, I still think they should. And I think that they will. I think there's a chance that he could be traded even by this trade deadline because signing him to this extension doesn't mean he's here to stay. We saw it with the Raptors signing Demar Derozan, and then yes, I know it took over a year before he was traded, but he was thinking, okay, I signed this contract. They're not going to trade me, Kevin Love. It's a no-brainer for him to take this. Yeah, but you got Kawhi Leonard for DeMar DeRozan. I don't think Kevin Love has the value that you think he has. No, they didn't have the foresight. They've tried tried to put Kevin Love on the trade block so many times now. His name's been floating around rumors. I think they would have traded Kevin Love a long time ago if they needed to, especially with them knowing that LeBron was going to leave. I don't think... Kevin Love brings you back very much. I don't think he yields you too much of a return. At this point, I think you look at his production and you kind of take that as, you know, I think it's more worth it just to have him here than rather have him walk away for nothing also. And then you have three and stars. And now you have team. nobody. You had three stars 18 got, months ago. Yeah, you got nothing in return. And now you've made all of these fans sign a three-year contract for their floor seats because you're a genius because, you know, LeBron's leaving. At least give them one reason, one jersey to wear. You can call it genius, I can call it shady it's, AF. It's shady, but if you're a businessman and you're running the Cavs, you know pretty much you're going to have zero fans when LeBron leaves. You lock in your floor seat people into three-year contract, I think it's genius. If you're, It's a business. Yeah, I, I mean, think it's you, genius. You can think of it as genius. You can think of it as in three years if they haven't turned this team around, then they'll have no fans, and then he won't be looking like a genius. He'll be looking like LeVar Ball. Well, maybe he's trying to weed out his LeBron fans versus the actual Cavs fans. I mean, so we'll LeBron fans would out. be the whole state I, of Ohio. I just think with the Kevin Love stuff, yeah, they didn't trade him in the past, so it's a completely different situation. Now, right now, they're still, I think the front office is kind of kidding themselves when they're saying that they're going to be competitive and they're going to make the playoffs. They're no, not. No, no, no. It's in their best interest if they're not making the playoffs to get a better draft pick. And Kevin Love is the type of player where he's not a, I wouldn't even say a star. I'd say all-star. And for me, there's a little bit of a difference. There's superstar, star, all-star. Yeah, it's something he's we talk about. I, th- I think he's a borderline all-star star. And with you not having LeBron James on your team, he's a star. Like, look what he did on the Timberwolves. Look what he's done with LeBron James's volume. He's still put up debatable star numbers. Now, without LeBron James, he's a star, no doubt about it. There's not even a question. I he's going to average 20 to, points I'd a game. I quantify him as someone who is going to be just good enough to where he's going to derail your plans, whether he's not good enough to lead you to any type of contender status, but he's not bad enough to where you're going to be the bottom of the NBA with him. Although, I mean, the Timberwolves, for a while, were one of the worst teams in the NBA with him, so we'll see. It's, all, it's, um, also, about the, it's also about the team he put around him, too. The Timberwolves continue to put a shitty team around him year in and year out. And the Cavs, I'm not saying that they put the best teams around LeBron James, but that's around the best player of all time compared to Kevin Love. You Even putting just a guy like Colin Sexton next to him, that's definitely a big move. Having a guy like George Hill there... And training 
Colin Sexton, mentoring him and other players that you do have there, and Seti Osman, Zizek looks really good in the summer league. So they actually have pieces there, and they actually have pieces that can learn a lot from Kevin Love and him being a veteran. I think right now they truly believe in this rebuild that they got going on, and they're going to continue to go about it. But if you blow up Kevin Love right now, you let him go, how does that help you at all? Like I, I get what you're saying. It like, helps you with a better draft pick. But really quickly, I want to bring up a stat. So in 19 games since 2014-2015 when Kevin Love was traded to the Cavs, in 19 games played without LeBron James, Kevin Love has averaged 31.5 minutes per game, 18.9 points on 41% field goal percentage, 36% threes, 82% free throws, 11 rebounds, 1.5 assists, a plus-minus of minus 108 in total. It's not bad. Um, what do you guys think of those stats? That's not, that's not amazing, but it's not bad at all. I mean, without LeBron James, you also have no game plan because when you build that team in the offseason, you build it around LeBron James. That's true. They had no no coaching. They had absolutely no coaching. Now you can build it around Kevin Love or at least Kevin Love and Colin Sexton, whereas the stat that you bring up, Corbin, that's when you pull LeBron James out midseason and then you have to change game plan. Yeah, no, I I see where Christian's coming from because with LeBron James, that is your game plan. And when you are a LeBron James coach... You coach to what LeBron James tells you to do, and eventually you make one or two good moves that help out your team. But if you lose LeBron James, now you're forced to use these B-level players. Sometimes a, a bad coach isn't going to show up. I really don't think... I don't I don't like Ty Lue at all. You guys know that. But with LeBron James, he's probably the best coach of all time. So if... Yeah, yeah I know. But you're talking about the game plan. Perry, you've been adamant that Ty Lue is one of the worst coaches in the NBA. So. He is. That's why I said LeBron James is harder. the game plan. If LeBron James isn't there, it's not like he's coaching you to victory. It's not like he's bringing the best out of Kevin Love. That's just, all right, Kevin Love, take LeBron's spot, try and win this for today because we got no one else and no other plan. And I got no plays. I got nothing. I'm just hoping that you put the ball in the hoop and just carry the team on your back. And Kevin Love isn't that player. That's LeBron James. So Christian's right. Like You pull LeBron from the LeBron plan, you know, there isn't yeah, really a plan. You're running on LeBron's numbers. Yeah. And that, yes, Tyrone Lue isn't the best coach where he can just flip things, be like Brad Stevens on the fly and change things around. Tyrone Lue is at least competent enough to take a whole plan in the offseason and execute it. So, like, I'm defending what Perry said, where, yes, one random night where he has to just try to change it. No, Tyrone Lue's not good. That's LeBron James's job. Right. Now that he has a whole offseason, let's see what Kevin Love can do where they plan for, what, six months as him being the star, him being the one to carry this team. And I don't know if they're really going to even look at him to be the star and carry this team. Yes, he's going to be the leader of this team, but I really think they're going to try and play team ball. They're going to really try and change everything because you just lost LeBron James, you know, forced his way into a championship. He, you know, willed himself on the team, willed himself on the NBA. That's what he does. Now that he's not there and they have a lot of young pieces, they really do, Kevin Love can just help them in the locker room, teach them, help them develop, you know, maturity-wise. That's where I'm valuing him right now. Like a player administrator. Not him really carrying the team. And And Corbin, that goes back to what you're saying. Yeah, maybe that might even help them get a better draft pick if he's not at the level that you're expecting him to be, Corbin. I think he just needs to play his role. And yeah, he'll probably. I think he'll average... 18 to 20 points, you know, 8 rebounds, maybe 10 rebounds. Oh, well, he'll, be like a, he'll be a 20 and 10 Yeah, guy. 20 and 10, yeah. So that's and not, that's not, somewhat happy. that's not bad at all. You'll take 20 and 10 pretty much any night. But you keep the fans happy and you keep your, your guys with a leader to look to. And you have your young guys developing under a guy that's had a lot of success in the NBA. 
That's a good thing. And a thing to think out too is with Kevin Love, even when you lose, it's not like you're getting destroyed every single night. At least when they lose, it's a, still a little bit close. Without Kevin Love, yes, Corbin, you're right. Look at the number one draft pick. But how much worse is it to lose by 30 every night than to lose by five or six? That's the fans. That's the will of the team. So keeping Kevin Love there, you know, at least when they lose, they're not going to lose as badly. And they don't got a Quinn okay, Snyder. They don't have a Brad Stevens. A one, if you can get a number one pick, I mean, as a fan, I'd take getting destroyed for a year or two years if I have a better future with higher draft picks. Yeah, but you're an obsessive fan. If you're a business owner, you have to think of the common fan who is the one who yeah. consumes your product more yeah. commonly than someone like you do. you got to think about keeping your city relevant. You're Ohio. You've yeah, had you got to get the James. casual fans involved. You're not in a great market. At this point, you don't have the banners to lean on. You have one banner that LeBron James just won you recently, and that's what you can chime on, I guess, but it's not like you still have the pieces that just won you your most recent championship. There, you have J.R. Smith. <laughs> like, who else do you really have that you're supposed to pitch and bring in these marquee free agents yeah, to come in and, what, fill LeBron's shoes? Do you think that's an easy thing to do? Who wants no, exactly. To- you can't bring in, no free agent is going to want Who to wants to do that? No exactly. But that's why the draft is so important because that's where you're going to No, I agree, but that's also why you don't trade Kevin Love because he's probably the only player that's on that level that isn't going to have to come in here and try and fill LeBron's shoes. He wants to stay there. He's already going to play his role. It's just going to be more of an increased role. He already has rapport with the city. The city has rapport with him. He wants to stay, and even though this whole thing blew up, LeBron James is gone. Kyrie Irving is gone. So many changes have happened with this team. Who has been the one consistent piece that hasn't opened up his mouth? Kevin Love. He doesn't care what's gone on there. He likes his position. He likes being in Cleveland. He likes being a Cav. He was a Timberwolf before. It's not like he was used to winning. LeBron James won him his championship. What do we keep saying? All you got to do is have one championship with a decent career and Hall of Fame consideration just because that's how we value you nowadays. Kevin Love retires today. Is he a Hall of Famer, Corbin? Yes or no? I would say no. I would say yes. Maybe in your your opinion, maybe he not be at the Hall of Fame level, but with the stats that he has and the championship, I promise you on God, he is a Hall of Famer right now if he retires because that's how we value it nowadays. Carmelo Anthony, if he retires, right now is he a hall of famer yeah he's all the same and that's one rare exception without a ring and that's because he's a multi-time olympian multi-time olympian and he's done so much but if any other player right now that we bring up that doesn't have a championship but somewhat close to career statistics it's not even close just because kevin love's got that championship i already put him in he's already in how about Russell Westbrook, probably Hall of Famer. Yeah, I agree. No, I think in the, I, I'm but the one. It's too early to tell. And I think I'm they're the going to win a ring. Beats up on Russell Westbrook a lot. I think they're going to win a ring. So that's why I don't think Do you he's think gonna the Thunder are going to win a ring. No, no, I didn't say, no, I didn't no, say no, next never, year, but never. in Russell Westbrook's career, I really think they're going to win a ring, yes. The Sooners are going to be the only thing that wins in Oklahoma. Wow. We'll talk yeah. when Oklahoma City wins at some point. I'll run this episode back. If you have an alternate dimension gun or something. Let's, uh, let's move on, but good Cavs talk. We want to hear Kevin Durant, CJ McCollum, some NBA beef. Uh, CJ McCollum has his own podcast. Uh, Kevin Durant was a guest on that podcast. They actually had some beef on the actual episode, and it continued to Twitter afterwards. Corbin, do you want to read those tweets so we can hear a little bit more details about this beef? Sure. So before these tweets came out, first on the actual podcast, Kevin Durant um, kind of disrespected McCollum on McCollum's own podcast when McCollum brought up the Blazers and talking about how they had a chance to win the championship this year. And Kevin Durant pretty much just laughed him off and talked about how the Blazers got swept by the Pelicans and the Warriors got even better with getting to Marcus Cousins, so that kind of started this whole thing. Then 
Big Cat, who is at Barstool Big Cat, he tweeted at CJ McCollum, hey, at CJ McCollum, permission to start using the B word again for KD. And CJ McCollum responded by saying, I think, I still think the B word is harsh and shouldn't be used. He knows that decision was soft, but I respect it. It's like getting jumped with your brothers by a gang you should have beat, then joining the gang that jumped you and your brothers two months later and forgetting about your bros. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then Kevin Durant responded by saying, so I wouldn't get into a gang fight, lose, plot on my brothers for two months in our home, and then go get the gang we lost to and beat him up. You think that low of me, CJ? I just did your effing podcast. Snakes in the grass, boy, I tell you. So, yeah, I mean, definitely a beef between those two. What are your guys' thoughts? Who are you siding with on this? Neither. They seem super immature. Uh, But I think my boy Dylan is going to love hearing this. Uh, He's an avid Kevin Durant's a bitch fan. (laughs) So... I'm, I think it's just hilarious. If you saw his interview, Kevin Durant, at Team USA, and they were pretty much asking him about the CJ McCollum beef, he was literally 16 years old. He seems so upset. He's like, well, uh, he, he, if he's not upset, why am I upset? Why am I the upset one? Oh, yeah? 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 To like the reporter, like, oh, yeah, well, what, what did I say that would make me upset? And it was just like, um, everything that you're saying right now, you seem super upset. I think this is just one thing on top of everything else that's happened for Kevin Durant to show how immature he is as a person. As a player, you're the second best player in the NBA. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, Kawhi Leonard's a top three player. You know, Anthony Davis, he's up there in that top five conversation too. But Kevin Durant's the number two player in the NBA. So you shooting a ball... There's no problem with that. But the thing is, it's not just like you've always been like this and we've always had to deal with your personality. You were an A student giving the teacher an apple after every class, Kevin Durant, for years and years. You never got technicals. You never got anything. And then all of a sudden, one year changed and it was, I need to start hitting people. I need to start crying and screaming, getting technicals, going to Twitter, making burner accounts, doing everything. And maybe this was a slow Pokemon evolution for him. I don't think so. I think he just woke up one day and just decided that, okay, that's it. I'm just going to do this now. I'm just going to, no more damn walls. We're just going to literally let it all out. I want to do whatever I want because I'm this good. I think he realized how good he was. And that was it. He said, what are they going to do? Fire me? No. So he's doing whatever he wants. He doesn't give a shit anymore. He's on the Warriors. He has embraced this villain mindset. It's okay. Who cares? I mean, they're winning. They're winning. And yes, that's a good thing for the court. But if you're off the court right now, just chill. Seriously, just chill, Kevin Durant. No one likes this. You're just losing fans. If anything, at first, people thought it was funny. People thought you were, you know, sparky, whatever you want to call it. Well, people like Joel Embiid, which is what I hate. Yeah, and like, so yeah, exactly. Like, what Christian hates in Joel Embiid, people like it because he's got a personality. He's vocal. Oh, I like tweets. having a personality. Yeah, he, he just no, needs to focus he tweets, on He tweets. He messes around a little bit. But kind of thing, and, and Christian just wants him to focus more. But at least he has his fun. Kevin Durant, I just feel like it's just, he knows he's so good at this point that he's just looking for things to do. He's looking for, like, people to troll. He's looking for his which new burner account to create. And that's just so immature because I know with 2018, social media is such a big deal. You know, just the media in general is so big. And, you know, players get genuinely hurt when people take shots at them, which is not what happened back in the day because you didn't even know or didn't care. He's generally no, goes they to, didn't know. He generally goes to respond to people. He generally took the time out of this U- Team USA interview to... Oh. To go back and forth with this reporter. I just think everything that he does for his public image in the past few years is just so debatable. 
Yeah, no, there was a, uh, it was like a high school freshman or something that I forgot if it was on Instagram or Twitter, just mentioned at Kevin Durant, you're trash or something. And Kevin Durant actually took the time to respond to him and tell him, you've got to go back to your high school gym and start practicing or something. You should look at the tape and know that I'm one of the best players in the league. Why is he justifying that? Who cares? Like, it's, 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 no, it's no one that matters. His opinion's not valued. And... I, I don't mind him going to the Warriors. I don't mind that signing. I've said this on previous things. It's a business. It's I know some people think it's a snake move, which is funny considering that he just called Caesar McCohen yeah. snakes in the grass, which is pretty yeah, ironic. I but I don't mind that signing. It's just I don't like him changing his personality and changing him to being a douchebag. I don't like that. I don't mind him being a warrior. I don't mind him being a buck. I don't mind him being a Laker. I don't care where he is. As long as I'm watching the second best player play basketball, I, I think it's entertaining. But... Everything else besides that, I hate it. I love Kevin Durant, and I think this, to go on what you said, just stems from, and a lot of young men, I myself have a problem with this, and which is taking criticism. It's very hard, especially when you are so invested in what you do, especially in sports. So when Kevin Durant started getting criticized more, and that goes along with the better that you get, the more criticism you get. We see that with LeBron James all the time. He scores everything, and we still criticize him on what he could have done more in a game. So as he's gotten better, the criticism has been drawn to him because the best players in the world get criticized. That's what happens. But as a young man, he hasn't gone to the point yet where LeBron James, where when he gets criticized, he doesn't give you that you know, tirade response on Instagram or Twitter. give you the satisfaction. The amount of criticism he's getting, he's not adept at being able to handle it. And, you know, someone like LeBron James should be a model to him as someone who can handle it because he's not commenting on those 14-year-old kids' posts. He's not going after reporters. If anything, he's giving a, a joke to a reporter on when they're trying to bring up questions that incites Kevin Durant. So... I'm not going to knock him because I'm going through something that Kevin Durant is. And I think a lot of people, especially uh, men who have a problem with criticism, we shouldn't jump on Kevin Durant because that's something that we are also going through. So Kevin Durant is human. Athletes are human. I know we expect them to be something more than that, but we got to look back on ourselves and realize that they're making mistakes that we would make. They're just under circumstances that we aren't under. Like having people, thousands of people tweet at you really messed up things every day. Right. So I hope Kevin Durant gets better. I hope he matures as we all do it's just when he does these things they're hyper focused on because of instagram because of twitter and if we had twitter in 1970 things like that would happen older people aren't tougher than we are no, it's just I, we have internet no i hear what you're saying and season mccollum keep doing what you're doing i'm a huge fan your yeah, podcast, podcast, is, great podcast idea. is hilarious your personality is hilarious everything that you do is great you're a great ball player i'm loving what you're doing season mccollum don't just like don't Kevin reply Durant. to big cat on twitter because look this if you just not replied maybe just throw in a favorite we wouldn't be talking about this right now <laughs> so both of you accept your immaturity and let's just grow every all of us let's move on I'm to sure, uh I'm sure someone would still find that he had favorited it and make a big deal out of it oh you know that but, but a personal response especially uh he knows yeah, he's know. soft to a peer of yours, especially one that to, did a favor to make references to you and your friends getting jumped and then joining that other gang and jumping yeah. your own friends. It's super, super. Dude, this is a lame job. Term. This is a job. This isn't high school. He didn't go to your rival high school. Yeah. Like this is a job. I think Chill it's. Out. I think it's all all super immature. Really quickly with Kevin Durant, just over the course of like his last few years, under his whole demeanor changed. You guys totally. remember when he won MVP and he had that great speech thanking his mom, telling her yeah. that she was the real MVP. Then that next year, he I believe that was when he deal was dealing with injury and was out most of the year. Then that final year in OKC, there was I remember a hashtag that kept trending: hashtag KD is not nice. And that was when he started 
picking up the technicals, and that's really when his whole demeanor started to change. And I think maybe, thinking about it now, maybe if his demeanor hadn't changed, I don't know if he would have done what he did with going to the Warriors, where he just really didn't care what anyone else thought. Um, but that's a personal evolution for him, and it's good to see that personal evolution. It's just maybe some of that evolution could be him not being as insecure as he is with needing to respond to anyone who criticizes him. He's He has to know. He's one of arguably the second best player in the NBA. Like, no matter what, Christian, you brought up LeBron James, who is undoubtedly the best player in the NBA. He still gets criticism every day. You've just got to learn to live with it. Not everyone's going to love what you do, but... I think you get more criticism when you're LeBron James. When you're the best or the second best player, every move you make is going to get criticized. Every shot you take at any point in the game is criticized. So he needs to learn, and he will. I have to imagine someone of his talent will eventually learn, and he'll stop replying. But yeah, it's a a soft move to reply to 14-year-old kids and call them out. You know, be the mentor. Be the kid that says, hey, go in the gym and be better just like I did, not try to take them down. What if that kid never plays basketball again? Think of how much of a a bad person you now become because you shamed a 14-year-old kid online and stopped playing basketball. That's horrible. That would make you... I would not... I'm like, Perry, your Golden State move, I understand it. I don't blame you for it. But if you shamed a 14-year-old kid, I will never root for you ever, <laughs> ever again. I will never buy your product. I will watch your games. I promise you. Yeah, Corbin, what you, what you were talking about, if his demeanor didn't change and there wasn't this evolution of KD, he'd be the most popular player in the NBA right now. With his skill Probably. level. He'd have with, a good chance. If he had stayed with the Thunder, I think. He'd wait, be even if he, I, exactly. I'm, even if he didn't stay with the Thunder, that doesn't mean he would have went to the Warriors. But maybe he went somewhere yeah. else. Maybe he went somewhere else. It does. It, it doesn't matter because players jump all the time. It's just the fact that if that was the you're the real MVP, Kevin Durant, still, he'd be everyone's real MVP. But as of right now, he's everyone's villain. He's the cupcake, and he's he loves it. And I think this is just a phase. It's like your teenage daughter acting out, and you just kind of let the phase go. But hey, you acted out as a teenage too, Perry. Yeah, so that's, that's true. That's true. <laughs> let's move on to uh, let's move on to Terry Rozier before we get into my dirty past. <laughs> hey, uh, we're all dirty. Terry Rozier signing to Puma. Uh, Puma's making a huge push in the basketball oh, market, t- signing a ton of the NBA draft prospects. Big players now as well. Seems like they're going after young talent, even with Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier is a big personality too. Scary Terry. He's coming off a big postseason. He's got a lot of popularity right now. It's a really smart signing. Uh, I believe it's to a shoe and apparel deal, multi-year. This is huge. I'm going to be getting a pair of Pumas this next year with the way that they're going to be setting up their their market, with the way they're going to be changing their designs. I'm sure one or two extremely fire shoes are going to be coming out isn't jay-z their lead designer i'm sure i mean they're just so they're just so smart the way that they're positioning themselves the way that they're doing pop-up shows in new york and other places having people come just to check out their new apparel coming meeting a couple people the way they're going about it is perfect for the culture nowadays it's perfect for 2018 very trendy very smart new balance is trying to come into the basketball market after this they're not going to make it at all because new balance is a thing of the past and that's what's you know, six-year-old dads wear. But their shoes but, are very comfortable. But, I have a pair but, of balances. I don't disrespect But the pair. fact that Puma's doing this right now is opening doors for other brands that aren't Nike or Adidas to feel like they can make an immediate push. Not like, oh, this will be a five to ten year integration into basketball. Puma said, we're doing basketball this year. Next thing you know, two months later, they're the biggest brand out there for basketball in regards to momentum right now. And by the end of the year, they may be having everyone trying to come sign every top free shoe free agent trying to go to Puma. This is just the new wave, especially since all these new young players are doing it. 
I think they're going to be the number one brand for draft prospects to sign to year in and year out moving forward. Maybe Nike and Adidas sticks around for you know the older heads and some people that come in and want to be part of the Nike family. But I think so many players that are 17 right now, 16 right now, seeing Michael Porter's, Marvin Bagley, Aiton taking these Puma deals, I think they're thinking Puma is the cool thing now. Don't be surprised if every draft... Puma murders it. Especially going forward. Um, do you guys know if they figured out? I know uh, Aiden was having problems with the shoe width size because, you know, basketball players, their feet are bigger than normal people. They're a lot longer and a lot wider. He was wearing the Nike shoes. Uh, Puma was trying to fix the shoes for the NBA players, trying to get them right for them. So do you guys know if they have fixed those problems yet because it was a width problem for Aiden? Yeah, I'm not sure yet. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be growing pains. Puma yeah. has look, at the, uh, look at the Nike jerseys last year with all the tears and yeah. everything. There's growing True. pains when you make a change. But that's good that they're showing the commitment to changing it and that they're being very vocal of the changes that they're making to the shoe. Because that was a worry. Yeah. I have fat feet myself, so I was kind of worried when I read that, that if I'm going to start hooping in these Pumas, I'm going to bleed out on the edges of my feet. <laughs> yeah, my thing with Puma is they've made some nice signings, but they still need to get that one. I don't think they have a player right now that they can have a signature shoe for. I think big men get signature shoes just because theirs are usually a lot more bulky because they need the extra support. But everyday people, they're going to want to buy big men shoes just because they're so heavy. I don't. I honestly, Corbin, I don't think they're coming out with a signature shoe for one player probably in a long time. I think they're trying to build up an army of youth, an army of talent, an army of people that are talented and popular. And people are going to buy... Just a lineup of Puma shoes, just basketball Puma shoes. They're going to be pushing them, not the Kyrie 6s or the Kobe 7s. I don't think they're going to be there for another three years. I think for right now, they're going to just push this brand. They're going to keep infiltrating the draft, keep you know, making them the culture. Because Nike was the culture for a long time. It was only Nike when we were growing up. If you had Adidas, it wasn't that cool. Then I would, I, would, I would say about, what, three to five years ago, Adidas changed, made this big push to a point where I would say they've been the number one brand in the last five years over Nike. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but in regards to popular... Uh, you know, I actually did a report on this for school, oh, so Christian, I take Nike's going to be number one, Adidas number two, and then Under Armour at number three. Nike does $20 uh, billion in sales... Uh, or not 20, uh, 20 billion, Adidas 12, uh, Under Armour 3.7. And I'm sure if you looked at these numbers five years ago, Adidas would be way below Nike. And I'm sure that they would. And the thing is, because right now they bought Reebok, so they own Reebok, and they have a huge portion of every single sports team. Now, I went to Arizona State. All of a sudden, when we were there, they went from Nike jerseys to Adidas jerseys. It just yeah, Nike- it happened all over the place. And I, I think that's huge, but I think that's what's going to happen with Puma. And it's just a culture thing. All of a sudden, it's not even just sporting wear either for adidas it's cool to wear adidas always if you have sweats you're not getting nike sweats anymore you're getting adidas sweats if you're going to go buy shoes a lot of the time you're going to go buy adidas now because that's what's cool in the culture i don't see that i see that happening with puma also in like three years i'm maybe not as much for outside of basketball people just wearing them on the streets and Corbin, there's a difference between people wearing buying basketball shoes to wear on the street and still buying you apparel, know, apparel, yeah. and just regular yeah. street. You got to think of Adidas. Adidas signed Kanye West, yeah. and they have the Yeezy, which is a luxury clothing brand. Adidas has a luxury clothing brand that none of these other ones have. Right. Now, if you buy a Nike shirt, you might think it's luxury because you're paying forty five dollars, but it's not a luxury <laughs> brand. They have shoes in the thousands of dollars. They have shirts in the hundreds, of hundreds of dollars. So, Puma can also go that route where they, they don't have to have a signature shoe, a signature, anything. They're just pushing their brand. They could have a signature team. Exactly. They, a signature. The they don't need it. And then 
like Perry said, you sign all these young stars, and in three years, when one of them is a superstar and they pop off, then you focus on them and get them their they, signature They've been shoe. Puma since day one. You know what I mean? Exactly. If, let's say DeAndre Ayton blows up in three years. Zaire. He's been part of the Puma family, and now he gets the mm. the Ayton 11s. You know what I mean? Yeah, Whatever you, you that may be. You don't need to start a signature shoe like right out of college like the other other big ones do or uh, like Lonzo does. Yeah. No, no, I totally agree. I think Puma is huge and look out for it to continue They're doing to it the right way. I would. This is the way I think that someone like that would penetrate the market. It's great It's great branding and they're doing it quick. Uh, let's move on to some veterans that are still going to be playing next year. Dirk Nowinski and Vince Carter both returning for their 21st seasons. They've played a little bit in Dallas together. Uh, they're good friends. Two of the only ones, two of the last standing really, mm-hmm. What do you guys think? I'm huge on uh, Vince Carter. I'm a big Vince Carter fan. He's got a special place in my heart. Every time I see him play, it just brings me back to those dunks. The fact that he's still playing, I just think it's great. Hearing him talking on top of the NBA Summer League games, saying that he still wanted to play, I was just rooting for any team to sign him. He's going to the Hawks, uh, and of course, Dirk Nowinski coming back to the Mavericks. What do you guys think? Uh, Is this the last year for both of them? I think this is the last year for Dirk Nowinski, and hopefully not Vince Carter. No, Perry and I talked. Hopefully, he plays one more year, and the Toronto Raptors throw him a, a one-year deal. Because I would hate to see him just get a ten-day and retire there. I want to see Vince Carter in one more year in a Raptors jersey. But I think those guys at five million for Dirk Nowinski and the league minimum for Vince Carter to have those guys in the locker room at that number it's just so so valuable. So much teaching of your young guys is going on and those are both teams that have young guys that need to be developed so it's beautiful it's a knockout the only thing is like i said vince carter please one more year and find your way back to toronto i want that jersey (laughs) yeah i mean i'm kind of shocked on toronto to be honest i thought that the raptors would sign him this year so that he can retire as a raptor I'm actually very shocked, especially with the changes in the team. I think it would have been a perfect year to bring him on just to add that veteran presence and have him retire in that jersey. Sell more seats. I think it's sell more seats, have a Vince Carter tribute night, anything like that. I think. Well, think of a business move when... Toronto's uh, just screwing up over and over and over and over again. Right. When Dwayne Wade right. went to Miami, how fast do those Miami Vice jerseys uh, sell out for Dwayne Wade? If you had Vince Carter and you signed him, I guarantee the We Are the North jerseys with Vince Carter would sell out overnight. How can you not sign him just from a business standpoint? That's what really boggled my mind. How do you feel, Corbin? Uh, I mean, I think for Vince, if he wants to play one more year, Toronto will need his veteran leadership once Kawhi leaves. Um, well, they could have used it this year, too. I yeah, mean, yeah, they could have. Um, I mean, I think for both of them, it's just it's good to see that they can still play, but it's also just seeing them play at the level at which they do after they were so good for so long. I think both of them should have retired a year, two years ago. Um, Nowitzki, I think him signing his 21st season so that he could break the record for most consecutive or most years with one team for an entire career. He broke Kobe's record of 20 seasons with the Lakers. Um, so I think Nowitzki will definitely be retired after this year. I and agree. Carter, I don't know. I, I didn't really think that uh, be playing for the past two or three years. So it wouldn't shock me to see him play one more year, but... He seems determined to cash that check until his body literally gives out. I don't even think it's the check. I don't think he gives a shit or about the, the pride. check. It's just know. him playing basketball. And it's not like he's chasing a ring. And it's not like he's he's just looking to mentor players and just be 
on the court. I think it's one of the rare cases to where he loves basketball that much. He just can't let it go. It's not a ring. It's not money. It's just the game. And that's something that you don't see in 2018. And I think it's also a testament to both of them taking care of their body to the point where they feel comfortable playing that 21st season. 100%. It looked like Kobe Bryant honestly wanted to shoot himself walking off that court on that last game. I could physically tell, as someone who's played games in pain, Kobe Bryant was in pain. These guys electing to come back for their 21st year... I think that as young guys coming into the league, you need to get on their workout plan or at least ask them what they're doing to take care of their body. Something that Dirk Nowitzki said, he said he got drug tested uh, for... Yeah, yeah, he's like, did, did he, I told him, did you see me move last year? Like, you got to try again. Like, you got to continue to test me. Like, I'm clearly on something. I'm well, clearly if, on... He, if he was on something, <laughs> that it clearly wasn't working. Yeah, that's what he said. He's if I'm on something, <laughs> I'd be on something better. Oh, that's so <laughs> funny. That's funny. Yeah. All right, well, really quickly, to Vince Carter's... Uh, a testament to Carter, though, I think a few years ago, I remember him on the jump on ESPN talking about how he'd never um, just go to a team to try to chase a ring. And uh, to his testament, he hasn't. I mean, he's gone to some different teams who have not been that great. He's ending uh, his career on the Kings and the Hawks. Yeah, yeah. He's on the Grizzlies for Massive a little while. Rebuilds. They were good for, I think, like a year when they had him. But um, yeah, I mean, he's just wanted to keep playing. He's think he values obviously getting some playing time and also being able to nurture the younger players coming in more than he does trying to get a ring which is admirable for him because 21 years in well, he still does not have well, that's the thing that's that's the old mindset compared to the new like i keep saying if you don't have a ring you're not in hall of fame consideration for the most part nowadays but back in the day it was almost more admirable to you know, stick with the franchise for a while, just grind out 20 years in the NBA, being one of those guys that's the most reliable, most exciting players, all these fans, all these all-star games, all these everything. You know, that was more important to them than just, just, the you know, just winning one. So I just, I think it's awesome, the generational thing. I think Dirk Nowinski is going to be a great help to a young Mavs team, and I think Vince Carter is going to be a great help to a young Hawks team. I agree with you, Corbin. It is a little bit sad when you see them not in the same light that they once were, but I still love seeing, hearing their name come out of the TV speaker, so yeah. I love it, even if it is a little bit sad. I agree. Let's talk into uh, some old, more older heads, the big three. The league with Ice Cube, he pretty much players that retire have another chance to play ball. This will probably be a Vince Carter kind of league. Yeah, the Big Three is actually very entertaining for people who haven't seen it. I would encourage you to watch it. It's actually a pretty good time. Yeah, it's three on three ball. They go different cities around. uh, But yeah, big energies. Quick quick question for you guys. I know a lot of players on there that are big names still. Would you guys play a Big Three video game, or do you think it would just be a major? No, it would have to be an add on to Two K for me to play it. Yeah. I, yeah, I could play it on like my phone while I'm bored, but I'm not paying for a big three video game. If I want to play with most of the players in the big three, they're former NBA players. NBA 2K has these historic teams and historic all-time teams. Like, If I want to play with Vince Carter after he retires, I can go on a 2K and play as the all-time Raptors or something. I, I'm not going to pay it. I mean, even three-on-three, three, you can go on to NBA 2K, play on blacktop mode, and do three-on-three. Three, so I think Christian I has it down right on the head. The only way that this would be a success is if it was a subcategory of 2K. Like, yeah, you yeah. were like able to game. choose, yeah, big three. For those who play video games, it would be like Nazi zombies to Call of Duty. It would just yeah. be another thing you do when you get bored playing the actual game. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, but even though he, Ice Cube is doing a fantastic job of branding this league, though, so let's give him yes. credit. LeVar Ball, take some notes. <laughs> Seriously. Let's move on to uh, the Lakers' death lineup. Uh, Lonzo Ball, Hart, Ingram, Kuzma, and LeBron James at center. 
how much should this quote-unquote death lineup scare the Warriors or really any other team for that matter? Uh, Corbin, I'll let you jump out with this one. How much does the death lineup scare Golden State? None. I mean, it's... Absolutely. No, nothing... Not, not the Warriors. I think this lineup, like, in a year or two, but that just depends really on if LeBron James can keep up his same level of play because there's the players surrounding LeBron, they're not ready yet to compete against the Warriors. They might be in a year or two if they continue to make the type of strides that they have so far, but in a year or two, LeBron James is going to be 34, 35 years old. It all just depends. Is he still going to be the player that he is right now? Death lineup? I don't want LeBron James as my center. I don't know about you guys. We've got other players. No, why? Why? I want LeBron James on my team, but why why put him at center? I'd rather have... He would have been the perfect center for this death lineup and LeBron with power forward. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'd rather figure out another lineup. I don't think this is the the scariest lineup I've ever seen in my life. I think it's an exciting lineup. It's LeBron James and everyone else that we drafted in the last year or two. That's exciting. All of our quote-unquote young core with LeBron James. So yes, it's exciting for Lakers fans, but as a coach, I think I can whip up a lineup or two that would probably be more effective against the Warriors than this particular lineup, to be 100% honest. So the death lineup, I don't think it scares the Warriors at all. I think it's intriguing and I think it's exciting for fans. But if anything, I don't even think this is the number one lineup that the Lakers can put together. So, for the Warriors. I think um, it's... Perry, against the Warriors' death lineup, do you think that the Lakers could have a better lineup that would be more successful what I've said, what I've, death lineup? What I've said over and over again is there's a 0% chance to beat the Warriors, so it's going to be oh, I, 0%. I don't think that they will either, but I'm just talking in terms of if you're going up against the Warriors' death lineup, what is the best lineup? Knowing you're not going to beat them, but... It's it's the best it's the best defense it's the best three and D lineup you can put together the most ferocious defensive lineup that you can put together out there that you have on your team that can actually bang the Warriors actually put them out of place push Curry back all of those things while still being able to keep up with the Warriors I know this sounds almost impossible because it probably is while still being able to shoot threes on the other end this isn't a half court offense you're gonna have to push the ball fast guard strong push the ball fast it'll be a Lance Stevenson Rondo. Just with the two of them with just Lance being a pit bull on both ends and Rondo pushing the ball, Lonzo pushing the ball. It's going to be like that, but at the same time, you got to figure out the defensive pieces on there to keep the Warriors down because the Warriors will outshoot you all day no matter how deathly your lineup looks. It doesn't matter. They're going to outshoot you all day. It's just a matter of if you can outdefend them. The only thing the Warriors should be scared about is them injuring themselves because there's yeah. no way anything on any other team can do to beat a healthy Warriors team in a seven-game series. There's nothing you can do. You can put a sixth man out there, and that would be the only thing. Just change the rules. That's the only way to be able to compete. So yeah. put Lonzo, Rondo, Luke Walton, Luke Walton's dad out there. It's not going to matter. It, the Lakers aren't going to beat the Warriors. No one's going to beat the Warriors unless someone on the Warriors gets hurt. That's the only way. So no matter who you put out there, Kuzma, doesn't matter. Yeah, there's no, there's no scaring the Warriors. They're going to sleep perfectly fine at night, depending on who you put out there. Uh, but in two or three years, we'll f- I think the Lakers will figure something out. I think next year. Like I keep saying, year. it's not going to be this year. People keep saying it's going to be them making the finals this year. There's not a chance. Back to yeah. 0%. Big fat zero. But in a yeah. year or two, we'll talk. 100%. I think this year needs to be... I don't know if you've ever seen the movie 300. You just need to prove that the god can bleed. Just play good enough against the Warriors to attract someone else next year to your team. That's what you have to do. Just prove them that the Warriors are mortal and that they can be beat in a game. Not because in the playoffs you got to win in a seven-game series, which is hard with a team like that. If the Lakers can choke Kawhi Leonard. They can beat the Warriors one or two times during the season. 
that's all that they need to do as an objective for this season, not win the NBA Finals. I don't think the Lakers need to beat anybody to still get these guys here. I think Magic Johnson and LeBron I think that should James be their, their directive. That should because they're not going to win the finals. But what would be the next best thing? Just making the showing pass. them that the showing everyone that the that the Lakers with someone else can beat them. I, I, I like what you said about the God can bleed. I mean, it's just a fact that when the Warriors continue to get better. There just has to be an answer to derail the whole team. It's not you're going to take down each player individually one by one, stopping Kevin Durant, stopping Steph Curry, stopping Clay. They're such playmakers on their own. They can handle such a volume of the offense on their own. It's going to be you figuring out the formula to outcoach Steve Kerr, which is going to be damn hard, and for you to bully the Warriors, push them off their spots, block their shots, and knock, knock, them, uh, knock them down, figure out a way to push them completely off their game plan. And like Christian said, yes, doing that for one game is possible. Doing it for a seven-game series is impossible, almost impossible at that point because you're going to have to continually make the adjustments as they do as well. And this is the best ever team ever put together. So you're going to have to make some serious adjustments and really throw them off to another planet. And I know this is crazy considering that the Rockets took them seven games last year and we're this close and we're saying there's 0% chance. Yes, it's because the Warriors keep moving forward and other teams. I think the, the Rockets for the first time trying the whole three-point over two-point thing finally figured out something that was different that shocked the Warriors, but that still wasn't even enough. It was still the fact that regardless of the words, you know, having injuries and everything like that, it doesn't matter. They'll still figure it out. It's and the coaching, still got it's the team, it's there. everything. Yeah. The Warriors are winning the championship. So let's just mark it down. <laughs> All right, guys. So that's going to be it for episode 31 for us. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we're going to see you guys next time. If you're listening to us on the Apple Podcast app, please go on there and leave us a review and a rating. You can also listen to us on SoundCloud. Please follow us on Twitter at NBA Unwrapped. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Perry Aston. Follow Corbin on Twitter at CorbinMRPK. And follow Christian on Twitter at McGowan75. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you guys next time.